Tell the person next to you, it's not sleepy time. Come on, it's time to get excited about the word this morning. Come on, let's press in. This is the last message of the year. Come on. Let's get excited. All right. Ready for the quote? Everybody's in. Everybody's in. All right. If in the church we have everything else but the presence of God, we have nothing. If we have nothing else but the presence of God, then we have everything we need. Say amen. Come on, this is the last message of the year. It's always, it's a struggle to say, man, how do we end the year? What, what do we share about on the last message of the year? We've seen so many awesome things this year. It has been an awesome year. We've seen so many new people come to relationship with God, come back into the church fold, come back into the family. If, you, if you're new here this year, would you raise your hand? If you just can't, look, look around. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Some of you had your hands up, look like you've been here for four years, but, but maybe it just feels that way. Praise God. We've seen some awesome things. We've accomplished some incredible goals in our kids' ministries, our youth ministries. We had a record-breaking VBS this summer. Amen? We had a year of men's breakfasts where we gathered with men from different churches and fellowship and worship together one Saturday a month. We've seen new ministries start up. We have our, our, our youth, our young adults. We have a single mom's ministry this year. Where they at? Amen. We have a singles ministry just started. Singles ministry. Everybody looking around. This year we, we, we knocked down offices and added a, a, a section of 50 chairs. We ordered 50 more chairs in faith last Easter. And we filled it up that, that very next week. We bought this building at the end of last year and while we're still going through all the filing and all the permitting and all the craziness that we have to and raising money to do all the work that we have to, we started using the other side anyway. Amen? We cleaned it up. We painted it. We've been using the rooms for classes, children's church, the youth play basketball over there. We've been using it. We threw an amazing outreach over there, right? Where we packed out the entire other side on Halloween night. How many of you were a part of that? We packed out the entire other side and just provided a safe place for the community to have their Halloween while we get to be a light and share the, light of, the love of God in there. Amen? Now, family, we have a long way to go. I'm, I'm a man in my head. There's a school next door. There's a school upstairs. There's floors going up. There's so much. We have a long way to go, but I just wanted to tell you today I'm really, really proud of this church. I'm really proud of this team. The ministry team here has been so incredible in catching the vision that God has given us and running with it and making it their own. Amen. So the word I want to share this morning is don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't be distracted. It's time to really get focused. 
It's time to really be, be focused and be direct. Listen, for some it's time to step out into something. For some of us it's time to step into something. Anybody tired of sitting? You should be. You weren't made to sit. Amen? Oh, you'll get that later. It's time for some of us to come alongside some of the people that built this place and start to lighten the load. Amen? It's time for some of us to step out. Listen to me. The worst enemy of enthusiasm is time. The worst enemy of enthusiasm is time. Watch this. We all have an incredible capacity for getting tired of awesome. Let me prove it to you. How many of you have been away for, on a vacation that's more than a week? Right? And you, you get to some awesome place, right? And day one, day two, you take 46 pictures of the sun. Because the sun is just different where you're at right now. 46 pictures. You have 37 pictures of the tree in front of the hotel because it's just such an awesome tree. It's amazing. I've never seen a tree like this. You see how beautiful this is? 46 pictures from every angle of the tree. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? The sand. The, 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 you take pictures of the towel in the hotel. Oh my God, look at this. This is amazing. The toilet, the sink, the shower. This place is amazing. But how about by the end of the week, you start deleting some of those pictures to make room because you say, why did I take 17 pictures of the sink? That's stupid. You get tired of awesome really quickly, don't we? Come on, you with me? You get tired. We get tired. Things are awesome to us for a minute. They're exciting for a minute. And then we get tired. Come on. Christmas was what, five days ago? How many of you spend way too much money on, on something that your kids wanted, that it was the best thing. Dad, Mom, you buy me this. You never have to buy me anything again. You heard that? You don't have to buy me a Christmas present for three years if you get me this one thing, right? You get me this one gift, Dad. Oh, my gosh. If you buy me this, I'll never need another present. And what? It's four days after Christmas. How many of those things are broken already or thrown to the side? We get tired of awesome, right? We get tired of awesome. We get tired of good things. The, the things that we were totally excited about, they don't give us goosebumps anymore. Church, church, we have to watch that we don't let that attitude creep into our spiritual lives and change us because it does and it will and it continues to. Amen? I read a quote this morning. It said, forgive me for being so ordinary while claiming to know such an extraordinary God. Aren't we all guilty of that? Forgive me for being so ordinary and, and, and telling you that I serve an extraordinary God. But we get tired of awesome. And we have to be careful that we don't let that in. Perhaps maybe when we first came to church, we were excited. Did, did anybody remember that feeling? You first came to church, you were like, oh, man. And, and it might have been here, you're like, oh man, they, they, I don't have to wear a tie, I don't have to wear a polyester suit, I don't have to, I, I could just be me up in here, and, and they play my kind of music, or this, or whatever it was, you know, or they were just my kind of faces, it was so nice to have different color faces in the same row. I mean, whatever it was that got you excited about being in church, right? After a while, it, it, it wears. And maybe we, we used to be excited about hearing a good message. We, we, maybe there was a time where we wouldn't miss a prayer night for nothing in the world. 
because we were excited about God, what God was doing. But there's so many distractions and pressures in our lives, it's easy for us to grow tired of what used to excite us. Let me, let me drop a word on you from Galatians 6.9. Paul says, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap a harvest if, if, if we don't lose heart. I want to encourage you today to not lose heart, to press in, to not grow weary in well-doing. Listen, we can let even the pressures of well-doing, of doing good things, distract us and discourage us. It's so easy in our culture to be distracted, to lose focus. It's so easy to veer off doing what's good instead of doing what's best. Anybody been good? Come on, let's get into this. You ready? Let's, let's get into this. Listen, I, I'll be honest with you. This is a very tough message for me to preach. And, and, and I wanted to say, God, surely not that verse. Surely not that because that's not me. It's easy to preach something I'm good at. It's easy to preach something I have, I have in control in my life. It's not easy when I have to stand with you and say, I don't got this either. I easily get overwhelmed with lesser duties and in doing so neglect the higher duties. Anybody with me? Sometimes I worry too much about the good things that, and, and, and I easily overlook the greater things. <coughs> we can become obsessed with good and neglect what's best. Let me take you to the little story that I dread in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 10, and just make sure I didn't make this up. Luke 10, starting in verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Church, this is a short passage of Scripture, five verses long, yet it can hold a message for every single person in this room right now. I want to talk to you this morning about that one thing. This story, in short, shows us we can be three kinds of Christians. We can be three kinds of people in this room right now. There are those that are here like Mary who know how to serve and they know how to sit. There are those that are here like Martha who know how to serve but don't know how to sit. And then there are those who don't serve or sit. Because they're too busy pursuing their own things. Where do you find yourself this morning, family? I want to tell you wherever you are, Jesus is saying to each and every one of us, one thing is needed. Only one thing thing is needed. Jesus uses that term again in another story. Let me read you that one. There was a man we read about in Luke and in Mark. It's called the story of the rich young ruler. 
And in this story, the ruler comes to Jesus and, and he's a rich man. He's large and in charge. He has everything he could ever want. He has prestige. He has fame. And he comes to Jesus and he tells him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He has everything else. Now he wants eternal life. He says, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus tells him, well, you know the commandments. And, and he goes through a bunch of them. And, and the guy says, yeah, yeah, I've observed all of them since my youth. This guy's a little arrogant, right? How many of you would tell Jesus, yeah, I, I kept all those since I was little? Like Jesus don't know. He says, I've kept all, I've done all of that. And so Jesus looking at him, loved him. And he said, you lack one thing. One thing is needed. He says, sell everything you have. And give it to the poor. You'll have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the story says that when the man heard this, he grew very sad. Because he was very rich. Now, Jesus could have challenged him on his keeping all the commandments. But instead, he had compassion on him. He felt for this man. Because even though he had everything, he had wealth, prestige. He, he even had an outer righteousness. He had everything he could want in the world, but he did not have eternal life. He didn't have security. He didn't have the peace of God. He didn't have relationship with Jesus. He didn't have the, the security of knowing what would happen to him afterwards. He had everything else. He, he, and he wanted to get there by doing. He'd done Everything else he wanted to get there by doing. How? What must I do? And so Jesus took him down that path. He said, if you want to get there by doing, then do it all. Give everything away and follow me. You have to understand, Jesus wasn't worried about his money. He didn't say, donate it to me, donate it to the disciples. He said, give it all away and follow me broke. Now, a side note, do we have to be broke to follow Jesus? No. There's plenty. We got Abraham, we got Job, we got David, we got Zacchaeus, plenty of, of the patriarchs of our faith. They had wealth, and God didn't tell them to, to give it all away. This was a matter for this young man. This was a matter for him. He was wanted to deal with his heart. God calls us to be leaders. He calls us to be the head and not the tail, to be the lenders and not borrowers. So it, God doesn't insist that we be broke. God is just checking our heart. He's checking our minds. He's checking what our focus is. is. Amen? So, so we're supposed to be that. God doesn't care about our money. Though. It's the priority that it takes in our life. What's the focus in your life? One thing you lack. One thing is needed. God is saying you have to put me first. See, Mary and Martha both had access to Jesus. He was in their house. They both had the same access to God. The difference was priority. Let me paint the picture for you real quick. <coughs> Jesus and the disciples come to the house. Mary knows she's, she's kind of the older and she's the one that kind of runs the place. And so she knows that she has to prepare a feast. This is her thing. This is her ministry. Hospitality is what she does. So she starts getting busy. And she makes sure that the house is perfect for the master. She said, I got to make sure the pigs in the blanket are just right because Jesus loves pigs in the blanket. I got to make sure that I got the spicy mustard for the pigs in the blanket because that's Jesus' favorite. You understand? She's going through every little, little thing. And she knows that, that, that you know... She started cooking the penil the day before. 
Because she knows that Jesus likes his pork. Once he started eating pork, Jesus likes his pork tender that it falls off the bone. You know, so she started cooking that thing the day before. She, she wanted to make sure the house is spotless. She said, all these men are going to come over and they're going to talk. Those men talk worse than girls. They're going to leave here and they're going to talk. The house was dirty. This was this. this. And so she said, I, everything has to be just perfect, right? She, she went and she bought a stainless steel pan from Target and, and she left the tag on it just so Jesus would know that the, that the bowl was new, just so he would know that it was fresh, right, for him to wash his feet in. She took out her best clay pots out of storage just for the day. She, she, made, she was worried about everything. She bought fancy disposable plates with little lambs on them because she know Jesus is always talking about sheep. So, so I, you know, I want to show him that I know. I want to show him that I care. I want to show him, you know what I'm saying, how hard is in the right place. I want you to understand where, where Martha's coming from. <coughs> She's got a lot going on right now. She's got two flans baking in the vecina's oven. Because her oven has the mac and cheese and the pernil. And so the, the neighbor has, has two flongs and a tembleque in the oven over there. And she's yelling, Doña, tell me when that thing is ready. And, and she's stressing. She's running back and forth, right? She, she, her heart is in the right place. I want you to understand, we're not beating Martha up. Her heart is in the right place, but she's got a lot going on. She's getting herself stressed out. And she passes, and so at this point, she's passing into the, into the living room with a tray of platanos, totones, with mojo. Because, because, because Peter is Pedro, he's Dominican, so he likes, he likes totones. And so she's coming into the living room, passing the totones out for, for the Dominicans and the disciples, right? And, she, and, and, and as she's passing them out, she sees Mary, Maria. She sees Mary, and Mary's sitting on the floor. She's sitting by the master. And she's just listening and taking in everything Jesus has to say. And she's just paying attention to Jesus. And Jesus is dropping some story. Some, Jesus is dropping some deep parable. And one time there were 46 blind men. And, and he's dropping incredible stories, right? And, and Mary's just there on the floor doing nothing. She has, you know, flung on her hand and penny grease here and, and, and powder from this. And, the, and, and she's a mess. She's sweating. She's stressed out. Her phone's going off because the neighbor's thing. And, and, and she's, she's flipping out. She sees Mary sitting on the floor feasting. And you have to understand what Mary's doing. Because this is key. Jesus says one thing is needed. What, what is that one thing? Let's look at what Mary's doing for a minute. Mary says, I'm going to sit at his feet and spend time with him. Mary, understand, back then, when, whenever you were a disciple of someone, you got to sit at their feet and, and learn of them and study. But women were never allowed to do something like that. Women were never, and, and here Jesus, the, the man, the master, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, right? He comes and he allows her to sit at his feet. And so she takes this opportunity. She says, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to be attentive to him. If he needs anything, I'm going to know because I'm so close to him. See, there's a difference, right? If, if he needs anything, she says, I'm going to be right here to get it for him because I'll know what he needs, not by being busy serving him, but because I'm getting to know him better. Oh, come on, you got to grab this. See, the more I know him, the more I know what he wants me to do. 
Jesus says one thing is needed. The more I know him, the closer I am to him, the more I know what he needs, the more I know what he wants, the more I know his desires. Instead of running around making tostones when he's allergic to platanos, when I'm here with him, I understand his heart. I learn of him. I take in and I, and I feel what's going on. And if he needs anything, I'm ready to give it to him. I'm ready to break my perfume on his, on his feet. I'm ready to anoint him with oil. I'm ready to lay down my life because I'm here. I know him. But, and, and so that's what Mary's doing. And her priority was knowing Jesus. Martha's caught up serving Jesus. And so Martha sees her. And she gets ghetto. She said, oh, oh, no, she isn't. Oh, no, she rolled her neck in front of all the disciples. She said, oh, no, she isn't. Church, we got to check our ghetto-ness, amen? Because she gets ghetto, and she interrupts Jesus. You talking about ghetto. Not only does she roll her eyes and suck her teeth in the living room, she stops the, the discussion. She stops the teaching. She interrupts Jesus. She tells him, um, <coughs> and the, by the scripture, we kind of get the implication that her voice is a little agitated. We kind of get the picture that her volume might be a little high at the moment. But she says, Lord, don't you care? That she isn't helping me? Doesn't it matter to you that I'm doing all the work? Don't you see who's really doing all the ministry in this church? Can't you tell who's the real servant in the room? If you've been in ministry a long time, you, you've been here. You've felt this way. You can tell me not because you're so holy and spiritual and righteous, but you felt this way. When, 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 uh, when, when we're getting ready like after New Year's and there's 10 of us only to put the whole church back together. And it's the same 10. It's three of your pastors and four of your deacons. That's seven, not 10, but you know. You guys ain't that good at math anyway. Right? When, when, we're, when I'm putting away chairs and I'm stacking chairs, I felt that way. I said, why am I doing this? And it's not because I'm the pastor and I'm better than anybody. But it's because am I called to do this? Is this, should I be doing this? And so we felt this way. Has anybody you ever said, don't you see who's really doing all the ministry here? If I don't do anything here, nothing's going to get done. Anybody ever felt that way? And so he, she tells Jesus, would you please tell her to come under my ministry and help me? Family, listen carefully, especially those of you that serve here in ministry. It's very easy for us to lose focus on what we do and forget about why we do it and who we do it for. I don't want to beat anybody up today. I want to encourage you. I want to let you know sometimes we forget. Here's a few signs for you from Martha. Here's a few signs that you might have lost your focus. Listen, if when you're asking for help, you have to point out all your own accomplishments, you might, be, you might be a little out of focus. If when you use your accomplishments to criticize and belittle others, you might be a little focused. You might be burning too many things at the same time. and You might be losing one thing. 
If when, when you act like everyone else should be doing what you're doing. Anybody seen people in ministry like that? They look down at you because, well, I'm the one doing all this. I'm doing this. I do this and I do the sound and I do this and I do that. And like, what are you doing? You should be doing all of that too. Right? And, and we think whatever God has called us to do, he should call everybody else to do. And that's not true. We all call, amen? Some of us are fingers. Some of us are hands. Some of us are legs. Some of us are the mouth. Some of us are the ears. Amen? We're all one body. And it's, it's, imagine if we all did the same thing. We'd all be up here yelling at ourselves. But we're all called to build different things. And so it, it's, it's, it's hard. I know it's hard. People, when we are in ministry for a long time and you're pushing and pushing and you're continuing year after year and sometimes you, it, it gets so discouraging. You see people fall off. You see people do their own thing. You see people come back and then they want prayer. You'd be like, well, you should have stayed here. You shouldn't have left. You should have been right here praying with me. I never left. I didn't get to leave. I didn't get to go have sex over there and go do drugs over there. I stayed here. I didn't do any of that. So why, why should we all focus on you? and pray for you now. Come on, can I just drop it today, really? When you act like everyone should be doing what you're doing, you, there's a good chance you're losing focus. When you start telling God what he and others should be doing, that's a clear sign you've lost focus. When you start telling God what he should be doing and what everybody else should be doing, clear sign you're way off. Just shut yourself up real quick. Go pray. Go fast. Don't eat for a month. Just shut up. When you start telling God, all right, that's a good sign. When everything that others do is not good enough or the way you would have done it, mm, good sign that we lack that one thing. Lastly, when you can't do anything in ministry without an attitude. <laughs> you want to see an ugly church? <laughs> Everybody in ministry got attitudes. I put this wire here. I don't know. I put tape here. Last one, I don't know who took the tape off. Everything. Welcome. Good morning. God bless you. And that's the, the, the head deacon. God bless you. Yeah, sit down wherever you want to sit down. What, you see empty chairs? I got to walk you to your chair too? When you have to do everything with an attitude, slow back up. Slow down. One thing is needed. And we've left that one thing. Amen? It's time to get back to that one thing. Mary has chosen the better thing. Mary has chosen the better way. She's pressing into God. She's spending time with God. She's listening to His Word. She's hearing before she does any doing. Church, a lot of us, we got to stop doing until we hear. And when we hear what we hear, we need to be doing. Amen? Is there anything wrong with the work or the ministry that Martha's doing? No. No, she's doing what she should be doing. She is, if that's her house, she should be doing the things that she's doing. The problem is there's priorities and there's things. This might not have been a time where Jesus wanted a seven-course meal. This is a time late in his ministry. He has a limited time left and he needs to share and he wants to impart the, the last things before he goes to his death. 
He's not caring about seven different desserts. And he wants you to just draw in. He wants you to come close. Bring some bread and some wine. You know I'm good with that. Right? Let's just break bread together. And, and, and so the, it, it, he's, he's saying, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is needed. Listen, church, you and I have the same access to God. The difference is priorities. We have the same access to God. Do you understand that nobody in this place has a different access? We have the same access to God. Some of us <coughs> are going to make God a priority while others just want to add some spirituality to our lives. Let me give you this. Jesus is not a topping that we can sprinkle on our Sundays and expect a blessed life. No, come on, only three of you got that. Jesus is not a topping that we can sprinkle on our Sundays and expect a blessed life. Now, I, I need to pause for a moment because I have to be careful how I share this message because I don't need any more people dropping out of ministries right now. I can see the emails coming in now. Pastor, that message ministered to me. It touched my heart. You spoke to me Sunday. I'm letting go of everything. I'm just going to sit. <laughs> Praise Jesus. I'm just going to press in. Pastor, I just want to do the one thing. So I'm letting go of the kids' ministry. I'm letting go of this. I'm letting go of that. I'm let I know I gave a commitment for a year. I know I just started. I know I spoke to the leader and the pastor and I gave my commitment. I know, I know, I know, I know. But that word touched my heart. And I know that that sounds so spiritual, but, but, but you're missing the point. <laughs> See, the problem in churches has always been the same. And, and those of you that have been in churches longer than me, you can, you can attest to this. The problem has always been the same small group of people do all the work of the ministry. And the larger group takes no ownership or responsibility. Come on, I'm going to talk to you like family. You get offended, so about that. <laughs> Listen, the, the larger group, we get upset when we have to cancel a class of, of, of children. Oh, my kids got to sit with me. But you won't volunteer a week out the month to help with the kids' ministry. That's the scared clap. <laughs> Yes. See, Pastor Melissa and sign up, especially if you have kids. Amen? Amen? When my kids were little, I was in nursery. Because I, 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 I really valued the three weeks out of the, out of the month where I can sit and not have to worry about my kids. That meant something to me. So one week out the month, I, I spent in a nursery. I, I didn't hear the word. I, I didn't got to get to enjoy. I didn't get to sit. I had to work and have kids spit at me and bite me and, and call me bad things. Was I called to that? No. But I had a responsibility because I had little kids. And other people were taking care of my little kids. And it was only fair that I helped out. Amen? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping next year a lot of you are going to step out and, and, and take this message to heart. Amen? See, some of us will just sit there and we'll complain if something is broken, if something's not working right. We say, oh, it's too hot in the summer, it's too cold in the winter. But when the offering comes around, you put in a dollar and four nickels. 
And you say that when you add that up, that should, that should, you know. I don't know what they do with all that money anyway. Imagine if all 300 of us gave a dollar and four nickels. That's like a million dollars. No. <laughs> Can I drop you down to reality for a minute? Our Con Ed bill is 900 a month. Our mortgage is 9,000 a month. Our insurance is 12,000 a year. Our copier is $280 a month. Callahito, right? Look at this. <laughs> Relax, I'm not going to take an offering. But I want you to know, amen? Because if we're family and this is our house, you got to know what it costs to heat this place. <laughs> but some people come in and they just want to complain to everybody about everybody. Listen, I'll be honest with you, I have sympathy for Martha. I hate that story. <laughs> I do. I, I have sympathy. Listen, the reason some of us are stressed like Martha is because our personalities won't let things be done without excellence. Come on, can I speak to a couple of my deacons right now? Uh, our, we stress ourselves out because we want things to be done right. We, because we, we have this idea that, that nobody else is going to do it like we can do it. I'll confess to you this morning, I'm guilty. I'm more Martha than Mary most of the time. And I hate that. I'm not proud of that. But listen, to, to those of you in that category, programs, procedures, and people, they will rob you of your peace. <laughs> What a fun message. <laughs> Church, I want you to get your joy back. I don't want ministry in this place to be drudgery. I don't want you to say, oh, I have to work with the kids. I have to do this. I have to go to practice. I have to do this. No, we get to. We get to invest in our children. We get to invest in our youth. We get to share our lives with people. We get to do something for somebody. It's time we get out of the selfish mentality that the world has, right? And, and be more about giving than getting, right? I don't know about you, but I get sick. I, I'm uncomfortable with getting. I'm uncomfortable with how blessed God makes me sometimes. I feel so blessed sometimes I get uncomfortable. I want to bless people. Right? That's how, that should be our heart, man. I know I don't get that from me. I get that from the Father. Amen? Jesus says one thing is needed. If we have nothing else but the presence of God, then we have everything we need. <coughs> If we have everything else but the presence of God, then we have nothing. We have to make pressing into God, pressing into His Word, pressing into worship a priority even before ministry. Ministry should come out of the overflow of the joy, the rivers of living water that flow out of our heart, out of our belly. Amen? Ministry should come out of the joy. And some of you said, well, then I'm just going to sit until I get that joy. No, you have to walk in that thing. You'll never get it sitting down. You'll never get it sitting down. Tell somebody. You're never going to get it sitting down. It comes out of walking. Amen. This year, listen, one of my goals this year is to release things. I want to focus on one thing. 
I want to draw close to God. I want to draw so close to God that I know what he wants me to do. I want to draw so close to God that I can discern better, that I can hear better, that I can understand better. I want to be able to move forward with wisdom. I want to have so much wisdom because I'm spending so much time with God and, and because I'm so close, because I'm worried about one thing. And, and this year, that's my goal. I want to worry about one thing. I want to be so close to God that I want to know when he tells me, you need to take three weeks off and write a book. You need to stop preaching for this season and do this. You need to train these people and pour into these people. And, and I want to hear from God by name. I want him to say Gretchen. Pour into Gretchen. I, wanna, I want him to say by name. Grab these four or five people and pour into them because God, I want to use them in a new way this year. Amen. Imagine if that was our heart. Imagine if we all did that. This year, I want to release things. Right now, listen, uh, as the pastor of this church, my calling is to equip people to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4. That's my job. For those of you who don't sit or serve, this is like a pow-pow sermon, I'm sorry. I didn't even mean it to be. I want you to understand something today. Those of you that just come, you're casual. Like you show up on Sundays, eh, show up here, it's good. Eh, if I don't show up, it's good too. If I don't show up here, I go over there. If I don't go over there, I go over here. It's all right, whatever, you know. As long as I'm connected somehow, somewhere, I'm going to something somewhere, doing something about something. I got my little spirituality on, right? Listen, I want you to be careful that you don't spend your lives getting to the top of the ladder of success and realize that you put it up against the wrong building. So about that. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10 says, and, and you got to get this, this is for everybody in this room. I don't care if this is your first time here, this is the first time in church ever. I, listen, this is for everybody in this room. This is the Word of God. The Word of God says you are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. And what, what does it say? We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We were created to do something. We're created to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love that. God created things in advance for me to do. So if I don't do it, who's going to do it? You ever thought about that? Like, imagine you, you're, you sitting here in church. I've been in church 10 years. I've been serving the Lord for 15, praise God. I haven't done anything. Like, I don't sweep the room. I don't, I haven't done anything. But wait, the word says I'm his handiwork, and I was created to do good things, which God prepared in advance for me to do. So who's been doing the things? Maybe Martha has been running around doing all the things that you were called to do. And it would be okay if you were Mary, and you were just at the feet, but you're not. You're not sitting or serving. Whoa. Understand, family, our works can't save us. So, so I, I'm not preaching like, oh, we got to do something because the more you serve, the better standing you are with God. That's not true. The more ministries you do, the more he'll love us. That's not true. He'll treat you better if you do, if you serve in ministry. That's not true. It's not what we do that saves us. It's what's already been done. Amen. When Jesus took us to the cross, he loved you more than and as much as he's ever going to love you. 
And so, so I don't want to encourage you to do more so that you can have more with God. No, God says, I already love you. I already gave you everything. You don't have to do anything to please me. I did it for you so that you could have life. Amen? But the truth is we're all created to do something. Faith without works is dead. See, there's like a, it's a weird thing. You say, well, works without faith, you know, and we can't, and then we have to earn. No, we don't have to earn anything, but when we have it, we have to do something with it. It's just natural. Amen? We were all created to do something. Listen to me. Nobody here was called to do nothing. This passage doesn't condemn all the work that Martha was doing. It directly attacks all the stuff she was stressing. He says, you're worried about many things. Matthew 6, it says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to their life? You ever thought about that? He goes on to say in 32, the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows the things that you need. Verse 33, but seek first His kingdom and seek His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. <clears throat> My biggest goal for the church for this coming year is to see people stepping into the call of God for their lives. I want to see people stepping out in faith. Amen? I want to see sitters standing. I want to see standing walking. I want to see the walkers running. I want to see the runners have people come alongside them and lifting the load. Amen? That's the body of Christ. That's a successful church. We don't measure a successful church by the size of the building. By the amount of people. You don't measure. We could have 400, 500, 600 people and be an unsuccessful church. Because we're not working in the body of Christ. Because we're not working together. Because we're not strengthening. That only comes natural. The church should grow because it's only natural. Because if we're not doing anything, then nothing will happen. Amen? But if we're growing, you, you have to get the, 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 the synergy of this. If you're growing, things around you have to change. If, if, if you're being fed and you're dropping, then people around you are growing and they're, and they're following you. And it's just a thing that can never stop. I don't understand in my, in my, in, in my thinking when, when you have a, a church of 20 or 30, and, and I, I don't know if God has to explain that to me, but, but if those 30 are growing, if those 30 are feasting on the Word, if those 30 are going after God, then I believe God has to add to that. And God has to keep growing. And God has to, And it's not about numbers. You understand? That's not a successful church. A successful church is when, when the body of Christ is working as the body of Christ. Amen? And so one of the ways that I want, I believe we can accomplish this, this coming year is by entering into a corporate fast. And a hush fell over the crowd. <laughs> and pastor finally got tuned out. What's a fast? A fast means to obtain, abstain from food. When you fast, you abstain, abstain from food. Listen to me, fasting helps you focus. And so we're going to fast together. Somebody say amen. amen. What I'd like for us to do as a body is to abstain from food for one meal a day for 15 days. Not a big deal. Tell somebody I can do that. Not a big deal. I got that. Abstain, that, that's for the first 15 days. Then we'll, then we'll talk after that. But you have to understand that it's more than skipping a meal. 
It's more than skipping a meal. That's a diet. That's not a fast. That's a nutri. That's a Herbalife. Skip. That's that's not that's not a fast. What I want you to do, the point of skipping a meal is to do it when you can take that time that you would normally have devoted to eating, to spending time with people, to having that kind of fellowship, and take that time to press into God. Take that time to study. Take that time to read. That means some of you might be caught reading something. That means people at your job might, might ask you, how come you're not coming out to lunch with us today? How come I, I see you kind of reading all the time now? What is that on your phone that you're reading? Because I, I, you know, I know we're not going to carry a big Bible around. The point is to take that time and to read and to study. I'd like for us to start together next Sunday, the 5th, and go through until Sunday the 19th. So next Sunday the 5th, you'll hear a little bit more about it. Next Sunday the 5th, we're going to start. And listen, to help us stay together, to help us stay focused, we've set up a 15-day devotional on our website, sanctuaryfellowship.org. We'd like you to start on the 5th and read along with us every day during that special time. There's a devotional there and a Bible reading that we're going to share every day for 15 days. And it's, about, it's called margin. It's about building a margin in your life. Some of us need to build a margin where we have some space. And it's about a physical margin. It's about uh, an emotional margin. It's about a financial margin. Some of us got to build financial margins. Say amen. And all of this info is on the website. I want you to choose. You pick every day what it is that you want. Your breakfast, your lunch, or your dinner. You decide. But we're going to skip a meal and read this devotional. You can download the app. It's on you. It's you version. All that stuff is on the website. Download the app. Subscribe to the reading plan called Margin starting on January 5th. And then on our website, there's a place where we can leave comments and encourage one another. Can we, can we devote, you know, commit to doing that this year? I'm going to commit to just drop an encouraging word, drop something that happened, share a story, share a testimony. Let's build each other up. Amen? That's going to be on our website. <clears throat> and now for the hardcore. For the hardcore. If, if the fast still has your mouth open and you're bugging out, this is not for you. For the hardcore. I'd like to take it a step further, and I'm going to ask you to join me on a digital fast for those same 15 days. What's a digital fast? How can we be on a computer reading devotionals and still be on a digital fast? Easy. You're going to tell your Facebook, your Instagram, and your Twitter that you're taking a 15-day break from them to seek God. Amen? Let your last post or your last tweet be one thing I ask of the Lord. This one thing do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Church, I, I, I know that that means that you're going to have to go to dinner and maybe talk to your spouse. I know that's awkward. Me and my wife, we look at people at restaurants and it's so sad. I mean, we do it too. We'll take a picture and do a selfie, you know. I don't as much, but my, my kids, you know. Oh, having dinner with the family. <laughs> but then it goes to another level. Oh, having chicken with the dinner with the family. Oh, look what this lady's wearing in the restaurant. Having chicken with the dinner with the family. Oh, I'm in the bathroom. Look at the bathroom and the dinner. Having dinner with the family. Oh, this is crazy. Selfie, bored, having dinner with the... Right? 
That means that that might have to stop for a minute. That means we might have to engage. We might have to talk to your spouse. You might have to talk to your kids. You might have to have a relationship with somebody. You might, you might, I know, I know I'm asking a lot. This is crazy. It's like, are you stupid? What am I going to do without my phone at dinner time? 15 days on you. That's like, come on. Don't they cancel your account after 15 days? Oh, my God. I'm never gone 15 days. How am I going to know whose birthday it is for those 15 days? Oh, my God. What am I going to do? It's a 15-day fast. If anybody skips your birthday during those 15 days, I'm sorry. Amen? I'm glad my birthday is the 19th of January, so it's after the fast. So I don't want to hear no excuses. You should have your Instagram back up for four days after that, so all right. Church, I believe as we press into God with our hearts focused on him, worship team, come on. We're going to see an unbelievable outpouring of his spirit this year. I'm believing for incredible things for us. Amen. Philippians 3 says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you are ready to stand with us during this time, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I know it's a lot of pressure. People are standing like if I stay sitting, I'm going to look like a clown. Let peer pressure peer you in to do something good for a change. Amen. Church, I'm excited. I'm so proud of you as a church. I'm excited about the way we're growing and the things that we're doing. Not, not, not people growth, but the growth inside. You know, I'm, I'm excited just to see relationships build, to see things grow, to see people encouraged. I love to see the connections. Even, you know, there's good things about social media too. I'm not just beating it up. I love to see the connections that we've made in our church. I don't mean the hookups. I mean like the connections. It's a beautiful thing where we connect and we just encourage one another and share and, and, and when somebody says, oh, I'm sick and when I see five people from the church says, we're praying for you, we're praying for you, prayers are going up, prayers are going up. That's a beautiful thing. Because you know, man, we're a family. Somebody, if, if I said I'm in the hospital, then there's 19 comments say, oh, we're keeping you in prayer, we're praying for you, praying for you, let us know. It's a beautiful thing, amen? So I believe we're going to see some incredible things as we fast together, as we press in together, as we grow together. God bless you, church. Let's worship. Let's worship. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. Hold up. Pastor Gary, would you come? Yes. We miss you, man. you man we miss you man we miss you man let's pray let's extend our hands I was going to ask him to pray but that's silly right let's pray for him come on go ahead e. 
Father, we come before you today, yes, Lord, Lord, just with a joyful yes, heart, Father, so encouraged, oh God, that you <coughs> remain faithful, Father, yes, even God. in the midst of the storm, we can count on you, Father. But Lord, we stand here with Pastor Gary as a testament of your goodness, your grace, your kindness, your healing power, your faithfulness to those, Father, that, 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 that serve, oh God. Father, and this one has served, and you are pleased in this one here, oh God. So even as his wife and his family, oh God, stand as pillars in this ministry, oh God. Father, even as they have held so many up, Father, in their years of ministry, Father, we come together, Father, to hold them up in this time, oh God. And we are encouraged, oh God, that even in their time away, oh God, you continue to be there. You continue to be the Lord over their life, oh God. Father, that so many that would hear praying, Father, for them, oh God. So many, Father, Lord, even though they were not here, they were not out of mind, oh God. Yes, so, Father, Lord. I pray, Lord, that all that they, they may have lost be returned a hundredfold, oh God. Father, whether it's financial, anything, oh God, ministry dates, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give back even more, oh God. Father, that he would walk with his head up knowing, Father, Lord, that you have had him away for just a season, Father, but you are going to release him to even more, oh God, Father, because you are not done, oh God. See, the Lord is saying that he is not done with you. So you are not called to sit, but you are called to stand and to continue to be a testimony to those and be an encouragement to those. So if you had any thought that it's time for me to sit, God is saying, no, it ain't time. See, one of the purposes of fasting is you're telling God, I can't do it. This is impossible. I'm at the end of myself. I'm feeling weak. And in the Bible times, when they hit that wall, when they couldn't take one more step, they shut down everything. They said, we're going to fast. We're going to purposely weaken our own bodies to show God that we're trusting him, that when we can't get healed, when we can't pay the bill, when the marriage is falling apart, in the midst of all that, we're trusting God that he's going to show up. And I want to ask you right now, how many of you are saying that, it, that you're going to join in this time of fasting? I'm going to ask you to lift your hand to heaven. Because God is about to break through in a new way in your life. He's about to do the impossible. That wall's going to come down. And in the midst of that, even more important, as Pastor George just preached, he's going to draw you into his heart. You're going to know him like you never did before. He's going to walk with you. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for each one who's committed to fast, O oh God. And I, I call right now the Lord of the breakthrough to come forth now in Jesus' name. Father, stretch forth your hand and do the impossible, O oh God. 
And I decree over every one of you here that this coming year is going to be the best year of your life. That we're leaving behind all those old cycles, all the sorrow, the defeat, the sickness, the depression. We're leaving it right here at the altar in 2013. And I decree and declare that in this new year, as we show God through this past, that we're not playing no more. We, we ain't playing. We're pressing in. And that, as, as we begin to fast, I'm believing that your dreams are going to begin to come true. That those things you've been waiting for, some of you for years, you're going to see it begin to evidence. So I just bless you right now. Father, I thank you for a life-changing time to come, oh God, as we seek your face together. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.